0: For decades now, the space opera with its ray guns and rockets has been a Hollywood staple, from the clunky serializations of Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers in the 1930s to the slick, special effects laden Star Wars offerings of today. But since the 1950s, the world of science fiction has provided a new subgenre of horror, with alien invaders taking their place alongside zombies, werewolves, and vampires. These aliens have taken many forms from the deadly microbes which hitch a ride on our own spacecraft to wreak havoc back on Earth, as depicted in the Andromeda strain, an eventuality which NASA genuinely mitigates against by locking returned astronauts into isolation tanks, to the flesh-ripping nightmare creatures of Alien and The Thing. Our societies have been quietly taken over by insidious alien interlopers in Cold War paranoia classics such as The Invasion of the Body Snatchers and John Carpenter's Still Unsettling, They Live. We have faced all-out assault by aliens bent on annihilating the entire human race in the War of the Worlds, Independence Day and Mars Attacks. But it hasn't all been bad. Aliens have presented a less hostile face in child-friendly shows such as E.T. and ALF, as well as the more considered Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The alien form that we have become most accustomed to seeing on our screens has been a creature known as the grey, the spindly humanoid with the oversized head and big black almond-shaped eyes. Why do we get to see this form so often? Is it just down to the limitations of Hollywood imaginations, or at least their props and costume departments? Or is there some kind of agenda behind this? Are we being acclimated to the presence of the greys? Join us for this special Halloween episode of Aliens Explored when we will be discussing whether Hollywood is deliberately being deployed to psychologically prepare humankind to meet extraterrestrials when they come out into the open. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it?
1: Happy Halloween, listeners, here on Aliens Explore! <laughs> yeah, sorry. Absolutely <laughs> really. Um, yeah, it is Halloween and we are going to be going and looking at some of the horror movies uh, featuring all kinds of aliens from a perspective of wondering, are we being acclimated? Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Stu
0: Jackson. And I'm your other host, Neil Kelly. Now when we say acclimated, I mean some um, prepared they're getting, they're getting us used to the idea. It is
1: adjusted to a climate. Yes. Uh, basically, so so this is quite an interesting um, theory. This, uh, as we've progressed with, or as Hollywood's progressed, and certainly in recent years, we see more and more movies coming out that feature aliens. Now, in particular, um, talking about. grey type aliens this is one with the oval faces, the large black almond shaped eyes Um, we we talked about Whitley uh, Streber some episodes ago Um, so it's the kind of aliens that, that he describes in his book Communion and we're seeing more and more of these coming in through Hollywood now is it that Hollywood is being driven by social culture or is there something darker underneath that is preparing us and getting us familiar
0: with these
1: creatures
0: well um with hollywood i was i mean we know that yeah we're in the profession we know that um filmmaking is very very expensive Mm -hmm. it's a huge risk Uh, someone said to me that um filmmaking is the second most expensive art form known to mankind the most expensive being space travel but second to actually launching things into orbit space stations or going to the moon the next most expensive thing is making movies and these days we can talk hundreds of millions of dollars it's it's Mm. risk and i always think that we, we get these trends in movies simply because someone produces a movie of a particular genre that's very very successful, and suddenly all the studios want to have their version of it. It's like, oh right, people are really westerns are back. There was a really big western. Let's all make a western because that's what people want to see now. they in. The, and I, I mean, it, it actually works for me. You know, if, if I've seen a really great western, the next thing I want to watch is another western because I've kind of got the until I see a bad one, and then I'm kind of more amenable. <laughs> I mean, Stephen King um, basically launched his career off that, didn't he? He, he was writing horror and nobody was interested in his books until the exorcist came out and mm. um, there was this kind of a lull in certainly as far as hollywood was concerned um it was it was really brit the british film industry that kept horror going um through from the nineteen 19- f- yeah from the 1950s to the 1970s hammer horror was the biggest producer of of horror films in the world and still i remember Yeah, i'm 61 now so i remember in the early 1970s, as I'd be on the bus to and from school and we'd go past several cinemas, they'd be showing lots of movies, but not not that many Hollywood movies. Not the Hollywood wasn't as dominant as it was now. So there'd be horror films, there'd be British horror films, and there'd be the Italian horror films, um the Dari Argento and and and, and such. Um there'd be Westerns, but there'd be spaghetti westerns There'd be European soft core porn films. There'd be British comedies. There'd be British horror films, and you know, and in, in between all that, there would be. But Hollywood was really on the on the on the. It, it was really not as dominant at that at that time. It was going through. It went through a lull.
1: Well, it was really the eighties that that kicked it off to make it what it is today, wasn't it? But I'm going to come back right. So I'm going to mm. I'm going to segue as neatly back in yeah. <laughs> to our topic yeah. today. Um because and pick you up on something you said earlier about how expensive it is to make movies, the oh. second most expensive thing you can do. Now that to my mind means that it's an industry that is it's it, it will be very easy for people with money to manipulate because of that. Because if you've got a big pot of money yeah, filmmakers will bend over backwards and do whatever you want, basically, within reason, of course.
0: But even even if you've got lots and lots of... Because the sums involved are so big, you could put yeah. all your money into movies, but if they flop, because they're, they're basically just... You know, you're just p- promoting your particular belief system um, at, at the expense of story and character development and things that audiences actually want to see, then, yeah, you're not going to... You, you need more than just money to succeed um well let's and well, unless you're a government and then you can
1: manipulate things quite easily because you've got the money to do it you need more money you just print a bit more it's not that
0: you can't do but i think you know, carrying on that theme in that trend in in movies i mean sci-fi horror mm-hmm. i it, it generally was horror generally is um it, it really came in after the Second World War. Prior to the war, during the war, horror was yeah. things like Frankenstein, Dracula, The Mummy, that kind of thing. Um, but then, once we're in past the war, and we were getting into the nuclear age, into the jet age, and started to, to speculate about space travel. Um, yeah, then that's when it suddenly took a more sort of science fiction kind of hue. Um, although sometimes it was combined, Mars, things like Plan Plan Nine from Outer Space, where aliens were going to invade space. the Earth and they were going to first bring the dead back to life to, to, <laughs> to throw us all into confusion. That
1: was a great. I miss B movies.
0: It was, um, a, it was a great movie. It's it's it's, it's it been, was... you know it, it, Edwards, um, Edwards' uh, classic. It was his 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 masterpiece. I uh, I think it's yeah. I watched it once. So I thought I'm interested in film. I've got to watch this just to say that I've seen it, and I was yes. prepared for something really bad. But actually, although you can see that it's it's made on a tight budget um, <laughs> and it's a bit hokey, it's not a bad movie for its time. A bit, <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's
1: not a bad movie for its time. I've seen it's, worse. Its, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. In, in context for its time. Yeah. Be great. in that. I wouldn't say it stands up. I was I was half expecting
0: you to say that. Yeah. Now, now I mean with the science fiction thing. I mean, um, end of the seventies. Um, as you say, seventies, eighties. That's when Hollywood really bounces back, and it was with the big block. Bu- the, well, the blockbusters were starting to come in in the in the, mm. in the, in the late sixties, early seventies. If you've ever read um, uh, Easy Riders and, and Raging Bulls and it was about that director-led period of, of Hollywood from the late 60s to the, the, the late 70s, um, where Hollywood movies were very, very European-influenced, very much um, influenced by the, the French Nouvelle Vague. But then they started to get the blockbusters coming out. There were blockbusters like The Godfather, like, uh, yeah. like Jaws, and then culminating in Star Wars, which was yeah. absolutely massive. Yep. and uh, i remember going to see star wars in the cinema because i'm old enough to remember that um and i'm also old enough to remember when i was a kid we used to go to saturday morning pictures it's a, i'm sure it's a, an institution that our american listeners will be familiar with as well and you would go to the cinema and the first half you'd, you'd see a, a, a bugs bunny cartoon or roadrunner or something like that there would be a, a sort of generally you know, a a general information film or a, doc, a documentary or a um a, what was it what was it called the um the, the children's film foundation film and
1: mm-hmm. then
0: there'd be the serial and it would be flash gordon or buck rogers or something like that and and the, these were these really long basically a bad film broken up into 25 episodes <laughs> 25 30 episodes or something each about 20 minutes long and with a cliffhanger ending at the end of each episode and you would you would never, with all the best ones in the world, get to see every episode. You'd want to go back next week because that that was the <laughs> hook to get you to go back to the cinema to see what happens to to Flash Gordon. How is he going to get out of this one? Um, but so you were quite used to going to the cinema, and the first thing you see is episode twenty or episode four okay. as it was. So when when Star Wars came out, and the first thing I saw was episode four, I thought. That's what they're recreating. It's a kind of yeah. it's a space opera, basically. And and to a large extent it was. It was, you know, basically it was a it was a well-made film based on some very dodgy space series of the nineteen thirties, even forties. Indeed.
1: I feel we've got an off topic a bit here yeah. because what we want to talk about specifically is this this concept of um hmm Now, for me, um, it starts slightly after that, slightly after the period you're talking about, so when Hollywood was really coming into its own in the early 80s. And, of course, there's some very famous stories about E.T., the Mm. movie. Now, for the first time, it was a number of firsts, so it was the first time, uh, really, that we'd seen an alien who resembled the grey alien that we talk about. Hmm. You know, the, um, the, the long slender neck, the uh, large eyes, the, the inverted triangular shaped face. So there's there's that element to it. Um, there's the fact I mean, it was a massive film, massive film, E.T.,
0: um, I, I can tell you something else about it that's culturally significant that might mm-hmm. be of interest to our, our American viewers. Um, it was probably the first time English audiences had seen trick or treating on film as, as, a, as a Halloween tradition. I mean, we had Halloween when we were kids, but we didn't yeah. really do anything with it. We were told it was a spooky time of year, or whatever, but we didn't. We didn't have trick or treat. Mm. And but after after ET was shown in 1982, was it? Um, now we have trick or treat in this country directly from that movie. So it's really had a lasting impact.
1: So that just goes to show the cultural impact that these movies can have. Mm. So in that movie, you've got basically you've got a friendly grey alien. I mean, he's not actually grey, but you know, mm. he's of that type. Um, but he's friendly and cuddly and, you know, he's lovely. So he's not... It, it, it's almost like a, a training film not to be frightened of aliens.
0: Or, or a counter to um, a film that came out a couple of years previously, which was Alien which would tell you that you know, an alien is something different. you really need to be frightened of. In space, nobody can hear you scream. Indeed. You know? And, and I, um, I remember that moment when that alien burst out of John Hurt's chest. Oh, yes. And that was... I, I've heard about how audiences... Felt when um, Janet Lee got stabbed in Psycho, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe that someone who they were kind of invested with, who'd got, who they'd gone along in the movie with for quite some time, well, is suddenly just dead. And that was that's how it was with with Alien. Suddenly, this we'd never seen anything like it before. It, mm. It's hard to overstate how much of a an impression that made on us.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And killing off such a bit of same with Psycho. You know, mm. Janet Lee was probably the biggest star in Psycho, mm. and she gets killed off really early on.
0: <laughs> yeah but but not really early it's sort of a third of the way it's like the end of the first act isn't it oh yeah about yeah I 20 mean... minutes half an hour into the movie you know you, but Can... you're enough you're with her enough that you, you're invested with her you've got it into your mind that she's the star of this movie that this whole movie's going to be about her and then suddenly she's just dead
1: absolutely you know? the whole movie takes a sudden complete left turn yeah um, yeah and very similar with aliens but but Coming back onto E.T. now, I don't mm. know if you're familiar with this story or not. Um, whilst E.T. was being made, of course, Ronald Reagan uh, was president at the time. And as was his wont, um, he visited the set of E.T. And there is a very famous quote that he was overheard saying to Steven Spielberg... Do you know there's only three people in this room who know how true this is? That's what he was heard say.
0: And, and how many people were actually in the room at the time? Uh, <laughs> more than a three. a number of could, More than three. Quite right? a number,
1: yeah. Um, I mean, this was a set, so...
0: Yeah. Yeah, now
1: it has since been decried, but it, right, quite early on that story came out and it was doing the rounds for... Decades. Mm -hmm. Absolutely decades. It's only really been decried that I'm aware of since the advent of social media when the story started really gaining some traction and people really became aware of it much more.
0: Mm.
1: Now, Ronald Reagan, of course, he um, quite famously has had UFO encounters himself. He's seen UFOs and spoken about them it it tends not to speak well tended not to speak tended. About it too publicly Tenders, yes oh. um but but yeah no he spoke about it publicly that he'd seen ufos but to, but let's just think for a moment if if that was an actual quote from him and it was a scene where um i think the alien was being um taken away from the house because it was ill or oh. I think it was that scene in particular but yeah that, that's quite a bold thing for a president to say yeah now of course since then we've had lots of movies um, utilising this the, the grey aliens
0: well, we previously had um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out end of the 70s, didn't it? it was uh, 78, yes. 78, 79.
1: Yes, indeed. So again, that's a movie almost telling you not to be frightened of these things. You know, that nothing bad happens to anybody who encounters them. In fact, it's the people resisting that, you know, the bad things happen to.
0: Well, I think it was Alien came out after that, didn't it? Star Wars, then Alien Close Encounters, out, and then Alien, and yeah.
1: alien you're not talking about grey aliens you're not talking about that form of alien um Mm. so aliens is it's high fantasy almost it's you know it's set in an environment that none of us are familiar with out Mm. in deep space um it's got characters that characters are very believable in it i love the movie alien and the Mm. whole series um but it's not, it's not fundamentally relatable. Whereas movies like Close Encounters and ET, they're real people. They're they're people who live next door. Yeah, no, or but, quite easily.
0: But you know, you have to be able to relate to people to to have an interest in the story. And I thought, yeah, the the, the crew of the Nostromo, who is basically, they're basically working stiffs. Aren't they? And, and, and they're told they've got to make this diversion to pick up this package from a, another planet, um, or their their contracts will be nullified. Whatever, you know, they'll lose their bonuses or whatever, or, or lose their jobs. Um, but yeah, know, but they, they how they many really of us are, work and, with and an Basically, what they're picking up is some. Yeah, basically, yeah, who they don't know about, um, <laughs> and they're basically being used to pick up something that's, you know, an extremely dangerous cargo. Uh, they're not being told that it's very dangerous and mm. um, they're just told to pick it up um, it's just been decided by the corporation that they're expendable that they want this package because they can see its potential as a weapon um, well, and, and what it reminded me of um that the dracula story i always thought the most interesting part of the dracula story was on board the ship where where Dracula is, you know, he's in his coffin, and he gets loaded onto the ship somewhere in the Black Sea, and mm. the ship is sailing on its voyage to to England, and the crew one by one are either dying or going missing or getting very sick, mm. and then dying. Um, and I thought that's that's a great story. Yeah, you know, there, there is this. They're on this. They're on this mission. They're transporting this cargo, and it's but they don't realize that it's killing them, and and they're, they're <laughs> it's just this mystery. They're all vanishing one by one, and I thought. Yeah, And, of course, it's just sort of skimmed over in, in the story of Dracula. It's just, you know, they find the log and they find the, and they read the captain's log and realise that, that something like that happened. They thought, that's a great story in itself, and that, the, that is the story of Alien.
1: <laughs> in many ways, yeah. The, <laughs> it's almost the Demeter, yeah. <laughs> um, but, right, so I feel I need to veer this back. So Yeah, sorry, um, I keep going off. off. <laughs> so OK. Yeah. I mean, Alien is a fantastic movie, Um yeah. Absolutely, and I can talk about movies all day. But um but yeah, coming back to this this introduction of great High players, so you hit yeah, absolutely. Mm. Close encounters of the third kind, that was a positive experience for mm. for the I mean not overly but um but it was real people in very relatable situations um not having a negative experience with these beings. E.T., same thing, real people, and, and getting them young. So aimed at kids.
0: Because
1: mm. if, if you're going to um, adjust the mindset of people, kids, the, that's the time to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember plush toys of, a, of, of E.T. Yeah,
0: because that's what it was aimed going
1: at. Um, my,
0: Absolutely. My, the, 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 the girl who lived next door to me, saw the saw the film dozens of times in those days in britain you had the double feature yeah the a the the the, the b movie but what that meant was that you would go to the cinema and you could just sit there and you could watch the movie through and then watch the b movie and then watch the movie again and watch the no no once you bought your ticket you could stay there all day and that's what she did just watching et over and over and over again because she was just obsessed with it and And i don't think i don't think she was the only one yeah
1: no, absolutely. And I can also tell you it was the first ever released to the public VHS in this country, in the UK. Um, what was Like that? for general release. Yeah, it cost sort of like 200 quid hmm. at the time, which for, for, for 1980s money is ridiculous. You know, it's like almost the same price as buying a car, but... You know, literally, it was like, oh, my God, yeah, but you could just watch it over and over again.
0: I mean, the the price did come down pretty quickly. I remember in the the early 80s, 80, 81, you could buy videotapes, and they, as you say, they cost 70, 80 quid or something like that or or more. Um, But, you know, I remember it must have been 1983. My friends and I regularly on a Saturday afternoon, we would go down the local video rental shop and rent a a video Ah. to watch before before we went out. Well,
1: renting was something you could do for I mean way before ET. But that's the thing. Only the video shops could could buy these videos to rent. and they would be paying hundreds of pounds for each video, but knowing that they could rent them out over and over again. But the
0: price did come down very quickly. Oh to, it did. It to did. pocket yeah. money prices, you know. Yeah, argument. by
1: the nineties it was really yeah. yeah, cheap as chips. Um but yeah, so you've got that. You've then got a slew of movies throughout the 90s, um, well, right that, the way up to today.
0: But I think before we get there, there's another film that we can't gloss over, and that is John Carpenter's They Live, which is a classic movie, and it's about the, the, the guy who's a, a down-on-his-luck construction worker. Um, he, does, he discovers a special pair of sunglasses, and when he puts them on, he can actually see the world for what it is. So you can see all these billboards advertising things. When he puts the glasses on, they're saying things like "stay asleep," "submit to authority," "obey," "watch TV." When someone hands him a dollar, it says "this is your god" on it. And but he can also see that some people aren't really humans. They're actually these mm-hmm. these grotesque aliens. And um, this film was made in or was released. It made made in 1988, and it was ahead of its time, insofar as it mentioned uh, climate change. And it's basically saying what these aliens were doing um, was they were deliberately um, causing climate change, deliberately causing the temperature of the planet to heat up, um, partly because the activities by which they do that make them a lot of money, which br- which gives them more power. Um, but also, th- they want the world hotter because that's the kind of climate they prefer. They're actually warming the planet to their their temperature.
1: Well, yeah, but that sounds more like a... Blowing a lid off the thing, rather than
0: acclamation. This is like a. But the warning was: the aliens are already here. They've already taken over. These people who run the corporations, who run governments, they're nothing to do with you. They don't give a shit about you because you're, you're expendable. They, they just want to wipe you out, basically. <laughs> As a social
1: commentary, I'm yeah. Right there
0: with so them. If, if Hollywood is getting us ready for Aliens. It's a bit of a mixed message that's coming (laughs) through for me. But
1: I I honestly, I don't, I wouldn't include that one personally as part of the acclamation.
0: Mm.
1: Movies, um, so for me, it's not all about the positive image of Aliens as well. Um, I think when you look at movies like Independence Day, which again uses this great alien as as an example
0: which is another it's um it's a sort of classic 50s B movie remade in the 1990s with you know a 100 million dollar budget
1: absolutely but the image of the alien so it, what my point is i think we have become so familiar through hollywood with this image of an alien with that particular image Mm. of the alien um that we are becoming steadily desensitized to it and i wonder if that's perhaps the goal is to just get us desensitized so we're not utterly shocked when one lands on in the local park
0: assuming Um, it is it is a gray rather than an alien or a predator uh, or a well
1: that's the thing um so the greys the the image of the greys comes from people recounting abduction stories Mm. in UFO mythology. It doesn't come from fiction. Mm. And, And that's where that kind of, that line for me is drawn. I think where Hollywood is taking actual genuine experiences of people and using that same imagery, I've got to wonder if it's, you know, are they just... Getting people familiar with it. You know the movie the, there's a great um, comedy movie uh, by Simon Pegg and Nick Frost um, called Paul, mm. which is about an alien. Who's have you seen that one? Um, I
0: haven't. No, I'm not a fan of Simon Pegg.
1: Uh, what? Oh, <laughs> no. we need to have we'll be having words <laughs> after this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but yeah. Um, so it's about um, an alien again it's this grey alien and he's voiced by Seth Rogen so it's like wisecracking cracking and he's a bit cool mm-hmm. um, but yeah so he, he escapes from Area 51 and he ends up like going on a road trip with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost um, and it's, it's a really funny movie but at one point he you know he puts forward this theory he says yeah they've been using me as the template to get you all familiar and to get you all prepared and I just think actually yeah there is I can see it I can see it happening Um, we have become the the image of the grey alien has become so fundamentally part of our culture now that if one turned up
0: we could accept it almost 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 I mean I'm thinking I I always harp back to this um, HG Wells War of the Worlds mm-hmm. um, which he wrote at the end was the beginning of the 20th century or end of the 19th century um, about these aliens who land and people don't really know you know, they just realize this they've been they've been visited by someone from beyond somewhere they can't imagine in a mm-hmm. impossibly advanced craft and they can see that the aliens are busy with some sort of activity which they can't really understand. And then suddenly the aliens just lash out and they start slaughtering everyone left, right and centre. Well HG Wells was saying well this was a a commentary on colonialism. That kind of thing is within the human experience. That's what the aboriginals of Australia or the, the, the natives of central and south america experienced when the when the european colonists arrived in these in these massive ships the like they'd never seen before and then suddenly these people are just killing them and enslaving them yep. wiping them out and, and also with with viruses you know um do you know that
1: that puts me in mind of a it's it's a genuine story this um there is a town in oh, I forget which town it is, but it's out in the wilderness in America. It's like, you know, almost like frontier. It goes back to frontier days Mm. um, when these places were pretty isolated. I really need to find the name of this town. Um, But there was a record, and, and the records still exist to this day, um, about, yeah, there was a spaceship that crashed down the road and, and this alien, yeah, they found him and sort of patched him up as best they could and he lived amongst them for a few years and he ended up being buried just outside town. Um, his gravestone even had a picture of a UFO on it. Hmm. Carved into it. And, and they just, they accepted, yeah, he's, he's an alien from another planet. Yeah, he crashed just outside town. Totally... Took it in their stride. Mm. Absolutely amazing. But right now, anyway, it's time for our summaries. Um, so I feel <laughs> I feel like we got off track. A lot. Yeah, I, 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 you
0: know? I, I, I hold my hand up to that. I, I was, I was Us, to blame for it. I got overexcited.
1: I think a couple of actors talking about movies is probably yeah, yeah. <laughs> a thing. But let's talk about the concept that... Hollywood, or perhaps the powers that be—the people holding the strings—through uh, the medium of Hollywood—are um, getting us ready for actual alien encounters. What? What are your thoughts? Is that a feasible
0: theory, Neil? Um, no, I, I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't buy it because there, there are too many other movies in which. Um, visitations from aliens are seen as absolutely horrific experiences where they just you know there's too much of alien there's too much of um there, there's uh, alien microbes as well there, there was a film called life that came out a few years ago yeah. where they they find this life form it's just a, 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 a patch of cells in a petri dish but it it grows and grows and grows and wipes them out and the main the main thing they have got to do is prevent it getting to earth and um, there's a new russian film come out called sputnik which is a similar kind of thing the spaceship crashes in the fifties. one cosmonaut survives, but he's infected um yeah the, the alien is yeah the, the the extraterrestrial is is one of the main horror themes as much as vampires or zombies or werewolves so I think if they're if they're trying to a climate you know get us prepare us to accept alien visitors there's rather too much of that going on um and, and it's not really counterbalanced by things like Paul, by things like E.T., um, which okay, are I, children's films.
1: I think this is um, one of the areas where we're, we're not going to see eye to eye, uh, yeah. I'm afraid, because... No, I, I think quite the, the reverse. Uh, we've seen an increase and in an influx over the last few decades, uh, certainly of the image of the grey alien. Um, and more and more films where, no, the aliens are our friends. Um, you know, we never mentioned Starman, for example, uh, or The Man Who Fell to Earth and things like that. Um, mm. So whilst, yes, you're always going to have the big bad monster-type aliens, and, yeah, they're, they're a staple of, of horror, I think, when it comes to what I consider to be the real aliens, the the grey-type aliens. Now, I think Hollywood's painted a Africa def- very different picture. And I can see us on a trajectory. I can see us on a trajectory. But what do you think, listeners? At what, In fact, you know what? I'm going to ask a different question now. What is your favourite alien movie, listeners? Do tweet us or message us on Facebook and let us know. And, of course, as ever, if there are any particular otherworldly subjects that you would like us to discuss do messages in the meantime but from me, Stu Jackson
0: and from me, Neil Kelly that's it for this week and
1: join us next time when we will be discussing Scientology and the associations with aliens there looking forward to that one but in the meantime... I'm really looking forward to that one. <laughs> in the meantime, keep watching those movies. <laughs> Take care. See, see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Bye. Aliens Explored is a Fiegel Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit AliensExplored.com.